0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode four hundred and eighty-five for November sixth, twenty twenty-three. Today's show is brought to you by Wild Grain, Squarespace, and Uni Pizza Ovens. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason
1: Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. How is it, November? How did that happen? Isn't
0: that an incredible thing? You know,
1: mm. the holidays will be here before you know it. Yeah, really. Really, the holiday upgrade episode planning has already begun. It has
0: yeah. already begun. I actually have some information about something before the holidays, a little bit later oh. on in the show, but that's not what we're okay. doing right now. Right now, no. we're doing Snell Talk. Yes. This question comes from Paul from the 508, and they say, Mr. Snell talked a bunch about inviting Mr. Cook from Apple to a cow football game. We never heard if Mr. Cook accepted the offer, politely declined, or never responded. Love to your mothers.
1: Okay, he's doing a TV Talk Machine. Oh, I know. In a downstream bit. I with kept that all in there. He's from, from Massachusetts. Love, to, Love your to your mothers. That's the sign I off. I know it. That goes back to the the old TV Talk Machine days. One of my favorite podcasts of all time. Um, the Paul. It was a it was a bit. I was doing a bit there. Tim Cook doesn't listen to this podcast, and apparently his people don't listen, or if they do listen, they don't care. I don't know. I was just doing a bit because Cal was playing Auburn. and I thought that was fun, and then oh, I never we know you were up doing a bit. It was just but a bit. Look,
0: stranger things have happened right
1: i think i said something on the episode afterward about just in passing about uh tim not being there but regardless tim tim i don't know if tim was there i never saw any pictures of tim attending the game which is really kind of a bummer i know it was right before the iphone event but you know it's his beloved auburn tigers and they were in the bay area where he lives now and maybe if it doesn't matter he, he would rather just see them at, you know at home because he can just get a, I don't know what, a private jet to take him there. But it, they were right in his backyard, basically. Um, so I didn't see any pictures of whether he was there or not. But I didn't see the game on TV because I was I was there. And it was and it was a game that Cal should have won. And uh, yet they managed to not, which is uh, Cal in a nutshell. So anyway, oh, that's the answer, Paul, from the 508 Massachusetts. Love to your mothers. It's uh, Cal lost. Br- brutal. Oh, just to get all the TVTM stuff in there. It was terrible.
0: That's all. If you would like to send in a question to help us open a future episode of the show, you could write in over upgradefeedback.com and submit your own snow talk question. Thank you to Paul for doing so. I mentioned the end of the year. One of the things that happens at the end of the year is the <laughs> Upgradies. Uh-huh. They're coming back. The 10th annual Upgradies. If you can believe such a thing. I can't 10th- believe it annual
1: upgrade remember when we didn't do the first annual because you don't do a first annual well Well, no now we're at the 10th we did
0: well one of us said it the other one refused it but look at us now jason look at us now look at us now the 10th annual upgrade is it is one of those things where i'm like hang on i'm confused how How are we at 10 you know like how can that be because you forget that like we've been going for nine
1: years but you count at one but we started we started very soon we we first upgrade is we would only been doing the show for like 3 months right yes. so so the 10th annual upgrade precedes the 10th anniversary of upgrade true true story
0: it seems to me honestly a little bit weird that we or me like had the bravado of an award show for a show that had been going for the 3 months or something
1: I think you were trying to, to like, make me feel at home in my new world by kind of, like, harnessing the energy that I used to have over the years for the Eddie Awards and pouring it into the Upgrady Awards. That would make sense why I did
0: that. I think so. But now, you know, Eddie's who, right? It's all about the upgradies now. Yeah. How long were the Eddie's going for?
1: Oh, for, I mean, Forever. No, oh, I'm just I wondering, like, stopped. how
0: long do we have to go for? Because this oh, is never an end.
1: I think it's a long time. I think that from the from the 80s to to when I left, so a long time. I
0: mean, even if me and you retire, somebody else can pick up the upgradeies. Okay, know? all right, we'll get there. We'll get there. There can be like we. There could be a second generation of, of upgrade. You know, like sure, we could have other people take over one day. Anyway, upgradees dot vote. You can send in your nominations now until December 5th. We're going to be releasing the episode on December 18th this year for the 10th annual Upgradees. Yeah. So please go to vote. You can see previous winners at upgradees.com if you would like to go and peruse the previous winners of the Upgradees. Um, we are doing the same format as last year where we combined um, some nominations and we added in TV last year, as a, I, I believe, because we had favorite. Movies? Did we have TV before? Anyway, we have favorite movies, favorite TV. And we've added a new category. So Jason uh, suggested a best widget category, which I thought was a good idea.
1: Which I sent to you from a run using Siri. And so it came across as a witch category. Best witch. Best witch. My favorite is Agatha. Agatha's my favorite witch. Best witch. Oh, I'm going to go with Samantha Stevens from Bewitched. Mm. Classic sitcom.
0: Actually, maybe Sabrina the Teenage. Uh, oh, that's a cool, well. A lot of great
1: nominees for best witch. <laughs> maybe we'll do this. best witch this
0: year. You know, maybe we're going to do that. Uh, so, but my concern was that maybe next year there won't be a lot of excitement in widgets. So we're adding a new, uh, a new category. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jason. I opened the
1: form, and I wrote
0: beast feature in
1: the form. <laughs> oh, maybe it could be oh, beast, beast feature. We- so best witch be- and beast feature. <laughs> Are our two beast new categories. Please enjoy the beast feature yes yeah. so i i wanted it to be a, a widget and mike said no 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 why don't we make it a feature because then yep. we can it can be broader although this year will probably be a widget
0: yeah no th- what i have to say we'll do best feature widgets is going to be the thing that we're asking for ne- this year and then next year uh, it might be something right. else so
1: it might be something else right yeah
0: i've i've changed it back now to to best feature so we're looking for your favorite widget and then next year maybe maybe it will be like a, a a vision os kind of thing who knows right what we're going to be looking at as our best feature next. Oh man,
1: year. yeah, you're right. Could right? be. So I thought it, it might be, be something best, where we can best immersive it. experience yeah. or something. Could be, could be right.
0: So this is a good a good uh, addition because what I what I like about this is it will allow us to uh, award apps um, that may may have otherwise not been uh, maybe a best overall app or something, but maybe have a, like a really cool new feature. So and hey, maybe brings in the ability for some lifetime achievement award uh, winners to. Could be. Uh, to, to get another nod, you know? Maybe so, yeah. So please go to upgradees.vote and cast your vote. If you enjoy this show, by the way, you'd like more of it. Who wouldn't? Go to GetUpgradePlus.com and you can subscribe for $5 a month or $50 a year. Thank you so much to those of you that do. Uh, if you do subscribe to Upgrade Plus, then you will get a longer version of the show every week. And this week... Jason, I want to talk to you about Audio Hijacks transcription block. Uh, I just added, so I thought we could Mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit in Upgrade Plus because today is such an action-packed episode that we wouldn't have space for it otherwise.
1: Mm, No, that's true. It's a big one, big episode.
0: Money, 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 money. money, money. It's that time again. Apple's Q4 results. Yeah. I have uh, some headline numbers, and we'll dig into a few of them. So, okay, revenue eighty nine point five billion dollars, down one percent year over year. The iPhone brought in forty three point eight billion, up three percent. The Mac seven point six billion, down thirty four percent. iPad six point four billion, down ten percent. Services twenty two point three billion, up sixteen percent wearables and home 9.3 billion dollars down three percent what jumps out at you specifically jason is there anything particular in here you wanted to to touch on
1: well i part of it is expectations which is the idea that like wall street like apple set expectations and wall street had expectations and down one percent which is essentially flat um While that's sort of like another down quarter, I think they've had four or five in a row um, where the revenue is lower than a year ago quarter. It is sort of in line with expectations. It's a weird year for some things like the iPad didn't get any updates at all. Um, And Apple is coming off of a high in terms of max sales that I want to talk about in a second. And so as a result, you know, you're know, you going to get some things that are down. Services is way up. There's a lot of sort of speculation about that because the services number is up and the services margin uh, seems to be up. And um, there's a lot of theorizing because Apple didn't actually cite any reason why. And I, I definitely saw, I think Ben Thompson speculated, is it possible that they renegotiated their deal with Google that's under fire and it's even more profitable than it was before? <laughs> I mean, like, ugh, you wouldn't want to talk about that if that's the case. So it's unclear about that. But generally, Apple is in one of these kind of flat periods. And the question is, is Apple going to stay flat or is Apple going to go down or is it going to go up? Like, where what's the story from here? Because it's very profitable. It it, it actually uh, is up year over year in profits, which is interesting. But uh, investors don't care about that. It's, it's funny because like there are the people who are running the business and the people who are using the products. and then And then there's sort of like the investors. And... You want to. It's a publicly held company, so you want to please the investors. But uh, as a user of the products, I don't care about what the investors care about. However, what the investors care about can carry the day in terms of what the goals of the company are. So it's interesting to watch this. In the long run, Like there was a, a I would say, asinine uh, story over the weekend in the information that basically said, hey, Tim Cook's in his mid-60s and Apple's been flat for a, a year, so they should get rid of Tim Cook.
0: As if somehow age
1: would... Well, I yes, and I mean, that. and and he has to—he's going to he's gonna have to wait ten years before uh, until he's in his mid seventies to run for president, I guess. So, zing. Anyway, <laughs> um,
0: that one—that one took a little second to to simmer you got on a, my, you brain got part, got part, so my
1: yeah. point, my point is that yes, he's dr- dramatically uh, younger than than people who are president and and who have run for pre- president and who have been president recently. Like he's dramatically younger. But anyway, oh yes, yeah, Tim Cook, a vibrant mid sixties man with gray hair. Uh yeah, I mean get him get him out. <laughs> come Honestly. On, it's stupid.
0: Probably fitter than me. I mean, yeah no, probably oh, oh, He's fitter, fitter
1: than me. than most. Yeah. Um I know not not to say, I mean, they were basically saying succession plan and all that, but like come on. I think I think there are succession plans and has that to they've be. been reported on. Mm-hmm. Uh and Mark Erman has talked about it. It's it's a little bit silly. Anyway, uh but hey, that what I would say is that shows you what happens when it, one of the world's biggest, most valuable, and most profitable companies has four or five quarters where their revenue is slightly down year over year, is the knives start to come out just for that? And that is just the way it works. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I want to note that that in the down one percent and the and the improvement in profit that that it, it, Apple you know where does it go from here and is it a growth stock anymore is it a growth enterprise or is it more maintaining their uh, their profitability and investors will react accordingly what um, I want to mention iPhone being up because iPhone even being up a little is good because that's the crown jewels and if it's down it really hurts them but the one I want to zero in on the most is Mac so, Mac down 34% year over year, right? And if you look at um, the transcript, I did the transcript again uh, of the analyst call. They have lots of reasons why it's it's down year over year. They have lots of excuses, right? They're like, well, it's a tough compare. They always say that. We had the shortage, like, in the in the two quarters ago year ago quarter where there were the factory shutdowns and that penned up demand and then we sold a lot the next two quarters not just the next one quarter but the next two quarters which made it a tougher compare and also the product didn't come out in the same cycle because they don't tend to come out once every 12 months they, they tend to be a little off for that and so that's why the mac is down but don't worry about it the mac will be okay uh it won't be as bad next time it's sort of what they said except no, they're wrong. I don't agree. (laughs) No, no, this is try. I mean, like there are times when I really do believe the tough compare, because when you're comparing against the year ago quarter and things don't align right, it does happen, right? Where it's like, oh, our big product launch last year was in June and this year it was in September. And so, you know, our June quarter doesn't match because we didn't do the big product launch this year. Like that's reasonable. Mm -hmm. But to say that the Mac, oh, no, no, no. It's just those factory shutdowns in the Mac. Like, pull the other one. Uh, is that how they say it in uh, in, in, in yeah. England? Pull Some the other one? one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Something like that. So if you look, so this also, and I'm going to do a story about this. This also closed the fiscal year for Apple, which means you can roll up those fiscal year charts. And if you look at Apple's last four fiscal years of Mac sales, or let's say last five, what you get is in billions, um. 26, for the whole year, 26, 29, 35, 40, 29. That's not because of factory shutdowns last year, right? What happened is the pandemic happened and and Apple Silicon happened and Mac sales shot up. And now they're back down where they were in 2020, which is, I would say, Essentially, an all-time high for the Mac. Other than these two pandemic years, uh, it's the 2023 at 29 billion is, believe it or not, the third biggest year in the Mac's history. Only 21 and 22 were bigger. So, there's the story is probably that Apple pulled a bunch of sales forward, and yet still managed to have a, a what before the last two years would have been a banner year, which suggests to me that there's a an expansion of the of the Mac market that went on in that time.
0: I think it's also fair to say that the introduction of Apple Silicon was the perfect time too, right? Where then... People that were going to buy a new laptop during the pandemic may have more favorably looked at Apple than they would have otherwise, right. because all of the reports and headlines and reviews were like these things are incredible, right? Exactly. So, like, it it not only brought for it, it the entire industry was seeing seeing like the bringing forward of, of purchases, right? And that maybe people would have more favorably looked towards Apple than if they weren't necessarily in one camp or another.
1: Yeah, and it's the um. The pulling forward and also expanding the ecosystem. I do, mm-hmm. I do think that probably what happened here, because they talk about record numbers in the ecosystem and record numbers for Mac install base. That that is one of the things that also happened. It's not all pull forward, because if it was all pull forward, I would say that number wouldn't be twenty nine billion in in FY twenty three. It would be less. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they ma- managed to beat their FY twenty number, which is also twenty nine billion, but it was it was less. That's I'm rounding here. Uh, so I think two things can be true here, right? One is. I think the Mac is down because it's down, not because of the weird things in the supply chain last year. I think it's down because it's down, mm-hmm. and but it's not down in the way of like, well, people stop buying Macs. That's not it. It's more like you're dealing with you're dealing with uh, an industry or a, a you know a, a financial industry that looks at growth rates, and you're trying to explain why you're way down year over year. But I think if you look at the bigger picture, you can see that they seem to have returned to the high point before the spike. And I think that's positive for Apple in Mac sales, because it means that the Mac will probably still, sales will probably still continue to grow. Plus they netted that big spike for a couple of years.
0: Yeah, It's like what happened to the iPhone, right? Like around iPhone 6 time of like, there is a, a boost. You made a bunch of money from that boost. And then you're just going to go back down to what would have been a, a, a growth that you were on otherwise, right? And they, that that was just like a one-time exactly. thing for you that you profited from, and then you have to kind of deal with the hey, why is it not like this all the time thing for a little
1: bit, right? But but if if there were and if an investors were out there, and again, the Mac is a small portion of the business, but investors are out there saying, oh yeah, now like we we had this conversation I think a year or two ago, which was okay, the Mac was in the single digits until the iPhone came out and then it just started growing and then it spent most of the 2010s in the 20s not the teens the teens were only very briefly it shot into the 20 billion a year business and it was in the 20 billion a year business for 10 years in the in you know 2011 to 2020 and then it shot up to 35 and 40 and we all had that conversation like is the Mac a 30s billion a year business Or is it a 40s billion a year business? Or or where is it? And this year at 29 billion, what I would say is the Mac is probably more like a $30 billion a year business, Um, maybe growing into the 30s over the next few years. What it's not is a $40 billion a year business or a $35 billion a year business. And I will say it also didn't go down to in the low 20s because everybody bought a Mac and now they're not going to buy Macs for the next few years. That didn't seem to happen, um, which is good for for the Mac, I think. So anyway, that that is, but it, I do have to call Apple's reasoning out because I know that they're dealing with a lot of financial analysts whose memory only goes back to the year ago quarter, right? Like they don't even think about big picture stuff because it's all about now, 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 now. But i I don't think it's a reasonable explanation for the Mac uh, performance because it is the down 34%. It really is kind of of a piece with the rest of Mac performance over the last year. They had a down year compared to those two great years. You can think about it in context and it makes a lot more sense.
0: It's also like um, the if they were to say that the iPad is a tough compare, right? Because like the iPad is down 10% and it's like, well... The tough compare is you didn't release any products.
1: Yeah, no new iPads for the, for a whole year. So yeah. it's down. Guess <laughs> so what? So that, it's down.
0: So really, the, the tough compare is and, you didn't And it's not it. like they
1: didn't sell iPads. They sold $6.4 billion yeah. worth of iPads. Which is a lot in of a quarter. IPads. Yep. It's a lot of iPads, but they didn't have, you, you know, you do a new model and there's a sales spike because people are like waiting and then they buy. And otherwise, it's just people kind of drifting in. Like a friend of mine just bought an iPad and it was his first iPad in uh in several years and you know he thought about it and thought about it and he said Jason are they coming and I was like don't think they're coming this year and he's like all right I'm going to go to the apple store and get an ipad and that's that that happens right Th- there is this kind of like underlying kind of sales of of products that are just out there but new products change things
0: and 6 billion dollars in a quarter where there is still no new products is that is impressive
1: Right. It's, good. <laughs> it's an impressive business. In, right. But, but you know, if you're trying to talk about it in terms of growth, you're like, well, it didn't grow. And the answer is it didn't grow because there was nothing new. Mm-hmm. It's completely explainable in a way I accept <laughs> that I don't accept about the math. I mean, I don't doubt that it was a, cu- a tough compare, but it doesn't matter because in the end, the Mac was down like for the whole year, the Mac was down yep. from a peak. And that's just how it was. So and it's like, I wish they would have owned that and spun that a little differently yep. that, you know, we we saw a bunch of uptake. We think it really in- expanded our install base and they didn't. They just went the, with the sort of laziest uh, kind of like, oh, well, tough compare, you know.
0: And okay. you know, it's like they launched a new Mac, a Mac that's never existed before, right? The 15 inch MacBook Air. And it seems to have kind of just like been a bit of a wet blanket. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and so the question is, well, you had a new product that why didn't that do well for you, right? Like mm-hmm. there was something new that didn't exist before. You should have been able to capture more money and it didn't happen.
1: And instead they were like, oh, but we're really excited about the new products that we introduced a couple of days ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, that's fine. I think in that MacBook Air, you know, I think we all know the reasons why it maybe hasn't sold as well as they had hoped. It, it was out of cycle. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people who were going to buy a MacBook Air already bought a MacBook Air, I still th- think the 15 inch Air is going to be a hit over time, but a late in the M2 cycle larger version of an existing laptop that had already been out for a year, eh, you know, it's it's that is not going to spike sales, right? That's going to sell with people who just wander into the Apple store, but it was weirdly timed. And so, I mean, we'll watch it. Maybe it is a a, a not successful product, but I ha- I still think it's going to be pretty popular. Um, down the road, but it, it obviously didn't light things on fire because the Mac was down 34%. And they didn't even highlight it as, oh, but the MacBook Air sales were good. They didn't say a word. So...
0: It's like, hey Apple, I got an idea for you. You want to sell a bunch of MacBook Airs? You know that iMac comes in a bunch of colors? MacBook Air, mm. bunch of colors. Easy. Done. Mm. Job done. Interesting That's all idea. It takes. Interesting. If I see someone's got to get me on these analyst calls, you know? Are they uh, still making like,
1: the iMac, Mike? Are they still making that?
0: <laughs> they are, Jason. They oh. Are. oh, okay. We're going to talk about that a little later on in the all episode. Right. Uh, but yeah, the only other thing that that stuck out to me was that there was a 16% increase year over year in services and doesn't really seem to be necessarily accounted for you know like on the earnings call yes that's the mystery we have new new games and new content it's like yeah but it wasn't like you had some breakout hit in the quarter um and yeah that we don't know what that is and we probably never.
1: yeah what what is it exactly and is it perhaps um the again the google deal you can see why they wouldn't want to talk about that yeah
0: especially right now yeah
1: and he got asked about about AI, right? And they did they did a version of their same yeah. answer, which is we use AI everywhere. Although he did he did say, you know, we're still we're still working on stuff. We got let me read we, the quote. We got stuff. Okay.
0: Tim said, in terms of generative AI, obviously we have work going on. We're investing quite a bit. We're going to do it responsibly, and you will see product advancements over time where those technologies are at the heart of them. What I find interesting about the wording of this quote is it reeks of you dummy in a way that Mm. this kind of stuff tends not to. Whereas like, obviously we have work going on. It's like the way I read that, which is like, I don't know, they don't, it's just like a different kind of vibe there, which is just like, well, Mm -hmm. we're not sleeping on our hands here. Like we know what the rest of the industry is doing. We are also doing things, you
1: know, it has a different tone. I wanted to mention the Vision Pro quote because Mm. i just think it's interesting because they're trying to calibrate vision pro for the financial industry and kind of like talk about where they're going so they talk about they talked up it's nothing new to upgrade listeners right (laughs) we talked about the developer labs and uh he characterized those as uh like he said they're classic apple speak there's some real blow away kind of things that are coming out of the developer labs but still what he's saying is He's saying, hey, remember, we've got this amazing developer, third-party developer story and app store and all of that. And let me tell you, they're working on Vision Pro and it's great. Is that self-serving? Of course it is, right? But like, that's what he's trying to get across there is we've done these developer things um, and we're being blown away by what we see there. And then they said, the question was is this gonna ramp up sales like AirPods or Apple Watch? And and he said, no, there's never been a product like Vision Pro. We also know that they don't have enough of them to sell like that. Um, But he says we're purposely bringing out in our stores only, so we can put a great deal of attention on the last mile of it. We'll be offering demos in the stores, and it will be a very different process than a normal grab-and-go kind of process. And I think um, you and I talked about last week that like they're getting they're recruiting people from retail to come and get trained on the Vision Pro kind of like experience, and they're they're setting up places in identifying places in the retail stores where they can do that. Like it's it's gonna be. hands-on process and while you may be able to finagle one without spending you know a lot of time in the store maybe although they're going to want to match your your face to the the light seal and they're going to want to get your information about glasses or things like that but the truth is also um they're going to be hard to come by and so they're erecting a barrier that's going to create a you know supposedly superior user experience for buying um but they're also it limits how many they can sell, which is fine because they there are only so many of them that they can sell anyway.
0: This episode is brought to you by Wild Grain, the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. Jason, I would like to ask you a couple of questions about the wild grain box that you received recently. Okay. I would okay. like to know, what did bread, you have? Bread, 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 bread. <laughs> there is a big bread boy. What did you have in the box, and how was it to bake?
1: Uh, we had three loaves. There was some, a dessert that we haven't had yet, and then there was some pasta, some fresh pasta that was frozen. mm uh, and I can, Mike. I can exclusive report on this episode of Upgrade that we had our last of the of the frozen uh, bread loaves, mm-hmm. uh, which you just pop in the oven, and, and so it's always it's like it's not dough. It's it's like baked, but I think it's not. Baked all the way, so mm-hmm. you you put it in straight out of the freezer, and it obviously warms up, and then it, it browns on the outside, and then you take it out, and it is indistinguishable from fresh baked bread from dough. So we had that our last one of those really great, and uh, our pasta last night was uh, was the frozen fresh pasta, and as opposed to dry pasta, fresh pasta just has a a, a different texture. It's really soft and and nice, and it, that was really great. We had some spaghetti with the with our our preferred red sauce and that we make uh and the the fresh pasta and they were the wide they were wide long noodles like fettuccine kind of noodles and then we had um and we had uh the bread so it was it was real great and and it's just it's it's remarkable because um it happens pretty fast and yeah you would never know that it wasn't a, a bread loaf that you had hand crafted yourself from dough but you don't have to do that you just take it out of the bag and pop it into the oven.
0: You can fully customize your wild grain box. So you can get any combination of bread, pasta and pastries that you like. If you want a box of all bread or pasta or all pastries, you can have it. Plus for a limited time, you can get $30 off your first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash upgrade to start your subscription today. Yes, you heard me correctly. That is free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box. All you need to do is go to wildgrain.com slash upgrade. That is W-I-L-D-G-R-A-I-N dot com slash upgrade. Or you could use the promo code upgrade at checkout. Our thanks to Wild Grain for their support of this show and Relay FM. It is Reviews Day around here over on the Upgrade Program and, of course, over at SixColors.com. We're going to be talking about two different products. We're going to start with your review of the M3 MacBook Pro. What
1: configuration did you have? It is the big boy. (laughs) A big boy. 16-inch M3 Max that's indeed boy. a big boy, yeah, the definitive expensive big boy. So, I should say for you, people who are wondering: uh, sixteen processor cores, of course, and uh, CPU cores, and forty GPU cores. So yeah, you know, all of them, whatever, all of them, all the cores. You had the 16
0: before, right? Like, I think of the M2.
1: Yeah, they're trolling me at this point, right? Because they know, <laughs> uh, they, I think they know that I like little laptops and they're like, yeah. send him the largest laptop it's interesting, possible.
0: Because it seems like different outlets get different yeah.
1: computers. Gruber completely. got a 14 inch, but I got a 16 inch. All right, fine, the Verge sure. got
0: the M3. They got, MacBook they got
1: the M3 and and apparently they got a Max uh, okay. or a Pro. I don't know that Dan Seifert said he's going to review, but they also got okay. the base model, which I find fascinating. I got an iMac though, which we'll talk about later. Yep. Not everybody got an iMac, uh, so you know it was a it was an assortment. So they what, what, what do also do. means is I, I haven't tried out the the Pro chip, which is actually the I think in some ways the most interesting of the three. Although in some ways the Max is the most interesting of the three because that's where they really pushed their performance to the limit.
0: So, uh okay, I'm wondering where to start with this. Do you have any like big takeaways from it beforehand before I kind of dive into some little details like
1: oh, big takeaways. and this can be about yeah.
0: either the machine or the chip inside of the machine?
1: I'd say my let's see my biggest takeaway is probably that if you are running a m an m one or m two pro MacBook pro you're fine. If you're running an M2 Max MacBook Pro, you're you're probably fine. Um if you're running Intel or you're running a like an M1 Max like cuz cuz and I say that because if like if you're running an, a a pro chip, you're probably just going to get the pro chip. And the pro chip is going to be fine, but I don't think it's going to be it's going to be a little faster, but the big leap what I'm trying to say is the big leap is the M3 Max really is a lot faster than previous Maxes. It's faster in some ways than previous Ultras. <laughs> it is super fast. So if you're one of those people who spends a lot of money on a very powerful computer, the Mac Pro in your backpack, essentially, the one that starts at 3500 and just goes up from there, right? The, the most expensive uh, laptop. If you're that person and you've got the M1, you probably are gonna to wanna to sell that and get the M3 Max because it is a big leap. Um, and then coming from Intel... You know, again, it's like there's never been a better time, other than the last two times, I guess, to get off of that Intel system. And I've heard from a lot of people who are hanging on to late model Intel MacBook Pros, who are obviously looking for that moment to jump. Um, and now is a now is a, a perfectly good time because it's the start of a new generation. And this design that they is unchanged really from the M1 MacBook Pro, uh, with that great screen and the extra ports and the nice keyboard and all of that stuff is still. Uh, it's still a great design and unchanged for that reason
0: you said in your review when testing the M3 Max a lot of my concerns were alleviated by the fact that it just seems f- faster in every conceivable dimension than its predecessors usually by quite a lot
1: yeah yeah that's it this is the the way we talked about this last week when we just talked about the chips but like the M3 Max is the place where Apple poured on the performance That's where they did it. They chose Mm -hmm. to take the Pro and differentiate it and make it more of a mid-range chip. But the Max, they did not. So the Pro is sort of incrementally faster than the previous Pro the max is is more than incrementally faster than the previous max right the max is very impressive which also means that the m3 ultra should it arrive next year will be amazing right mm-hmm. in in those high end systems but uh for a laptop to have this kind of performance it's that was the big leap so again most people don't need anything approaching that level of performance but if you are one of those people and we know those people right we know those people those are your your marcos your your david smiths you may you know, maybe you're James Thompson. I don't know.
0: Underscore was the first person I text and I was like, Are you gonna get one? And he's like, I saw the the numbers, I'm gonna get
1: already one. ordered it. <laughs> yeah. So those you know who you are if you're one of those people who's like, I will spend money for performance. I just want a laptop with performance. You should spend the money. Because if if your work can go
0: fifteen percent faster every year, yeah. why would you exactly. not do that?
1: Yeah. Exactly. If you're if you are um, doing xcode or you're doing three d renders or you're doing video encodes or you're doing like anything you know it if it's you, and for everyone else and this is why that Apple has positioned the m three pro chip where it is It's like you know if it's you and you will pay the premium because it's worth it for you. Most people won't most people don't need to, and the m three pro is a more appropriate chip for them, and we
0: mentioned the m three pro and we mentioned that there doesn't seem to be a lot of them out there um but there have been some benchmarks that Mm -hmm. leaked out uh, and I think have been confirmed at this point um, that they the M2, so the M3 Pro is coming in at 14% increased performance in single core over the M2 Pro and 6% in multi-core, which makes sense, right? Because there are, is it fewer performance cores and more efficiency cores, right, yes. in, the, in the M3 Pro? Yeah. So I, I guess it makes sense. Um, I, I don't really know what to think of all of this about the M3 Pro chip realistically. Um, I, I don't really know where I land on it myself now.
1: Like I said, I mean, we'll see how people react to it. But I think the M2 Pro, the whole idea there is it's a, it's a mid-range chip. And there are a lot of people who are not gonna want the base model and they're gonna want the extra features of the M2 Pro. And it's going to be faster, but what it's not is M2 Max Mini anymore. It was yeah. before kind of like M2 Max Mini. They it came along for the ride and they're like, no, like it's it's really separate now. The CPU configuration is totally different. Um more fewer fewer uh e cores and more p cores i mean in the end the cores are faster and it's still faster it's just not taking the big leap because what they've decided is this is the super expensive max chip we will spend the money there on expensive features but on the pro which is more popular we're not going to spend the money on the more expensive features and make it cuz cuz this is a volume chip and most people don't want to spend right they they want it to be available at $2000 not 3500 and that's kind of a big part of the difference there. So uh, we'll see how people react. But I I like the idea of it. And I think it's probably going to be very successful because most people just want the Pro chip. And I think this Pro chip will be, it feels to me, looking at the numbers that I've seen, that it's, it's incremental in the same way the M2 Pro is incremental. It's faster and it's a very fast chip. Yeah. But if you want the foot to the floor performance, you, that's the max. And you'll know if you want it. Because you're going to pay for it, you're going to pay a lot for it.
0: And the really the pro chip, more than its raw power, enables functionality that is found to be important by many people, as we keep hearing from about more than one display, uh, more than one external right. display, right? So it can power a couple of external displays as yeah. well as the internal, um, and has different RAM and storage options, of course.
1: Right. While we broke the, the seal on the display, I will say one thing that I thought of as I was writing this review, and I mentioned it in the review, is I like that they start at 1599 with a MacBook Pro now. Instead of having that weird 13-inch model, you get the best feature, which is the, the, the screen. Um, you lose a port right? You lose the opposite side port because the M3, like the M1 and the M2, just can't support that many ports. <laughs> it's kind of sad, but it's true. doesn't have the second external display out, only one external display out. Because again, M3, like M2 and M1, Apple has chosen to not make that feature a priority. However, and, and eight gigs of RAM, which I will make the argument, I think eight gigs of RAM for lots of people is fine. But I think that what Apple's really doing is assuming that um, that a lot of people will configure it up. And that uh, corporate buyers are already going to be bulking at it being $15.99 and they weren't comfortable with the cut margins if they put 16 gigs at at $15.99. And they know most people who care are going to configure it up and add $200 to the price immediately to get it to 16 gigs of RAM. And that is a lot of margin for Apple. So that's kind of why they're doing it. I don't love that. I will say this though, after looking at the store options and pondering it a little bit more, I think if you care enough to upgrade the configuration in the Apple Online Store, you should probably get the base model M3 Pro instead for 19 dollars Because you're adding, you're taking $15.99 up to $17.99 just for the RAM. You're so close to $19.99 which comes with 18 gigs of RAM. (laughs) So uh, unless you've got, unless the $200 is just not in your price range. Like I think for a lot of discerning buyers that that low end model is still, even though it's doesn't have a touch bar and stuff anymore. Right. And it's, it's a 14, it's got the screen and all of that. It's still not that great. Like it's still sort of design. Who is it designed for? And the answer is corporate buyers who have to have a MacBook pro, but do not want to spend more money and do not care that it's got eight eight gigs of RAM. Uh, Like, people who will only buy a macbook pro um just won't buy a macbook air i think that it's still there for that but as a if you care at all if you're discerning at all i feel like you should really consider still going up to that 1999 base model um m2 pro laptop instead Hmm. so it's a it's a peculiar i mean so con true connoisseurs of computers which are our audience and a bunch of the people on that i see on mastodon and all of that like i think they're going to turn their nose up at that low-end macbook pro and that's fine because I, I think i would really argue it's not it's not made for you <laughs> it's made for the people who won't turn their nose up at it and we'll just say 1599 great and what they'll get is a slower processor and not a lot of ram and uh but functional and uh a beautiful screen
0: The M3, this is a quote from you, the M3 Max is so much faster that it's making me, even me, question my upgrade cycle. Can you dig into that a little more? Uh,
1: Well, I'm using, I'm speaking to you from, an M1 Max Max Studio, right? I bought it when the Max Studio came out. And I look at the M3 Max numbers and I think, Mm -hmm. uh, right? Like, because it is, it is a lot faster. And, I had a moment where I was running tests and doing various things. Like I did a, a whisper transcription I did a bunch of stuff on the, on the MacBook Pro and then I came and I was doing something else. I came to my desk and I was working on stuff and I did another thing that was like another whisper trans, uh, transcription or something like that. And I, I thought to myself, why is it so slow? Why, why is it running? So it was just running fast. And then I thought, oh, it wasn't running fast on this computer. It was running fast on the laptop. That's the M3 Mac. Right. I just had that moment where I thought, oh yeah, if I really want the, you know, heavy duty stuff, the, um, the video encodes, the audio, uh, processing and the transcriptions and other stuff like that. If I, if I wanted to give them a, a a real kick, uh, when there's an M3 Max, Max Studio, that would be an upgrade that I could do. I'm not saying I will do it, but like, it's given me pause about it because this is a lot faster than the M1 Max is. It, that This is where you really see the separation in the Apple Silicon line in a way that I don't know if we've seen this level of separation from a previous Apple Silicon chip, Um I think this might be the the first sort of big spread where you're like, oh, you might even want to update from Apple Silicon to Apple Silicon, which up to now you sort of haven't needed to do. But from M1 Max to M3 Max, yeah, there's there's big gains. Big gains happening there.
0: And I guess M, if we're talking like M1 to M3, like a couple of years, I think a lot of professionals would make that kind of jump like, I think yeah. it is kind of good that the year over year uh, is good, but not like bananas good, right, for most people. So, like, you're not tempted, but although you have started to become tempted, um, and maybe it's just going to be in that max and ultra chip.
1: Yeah, just a little tingle, but um, but it's coming, right? The, the fact is, if not this generation, then for a lot of people in the next generation, you're going to get that moment where you're like, oh, I've got an M1 and now they're at M4. Yeah. We're maybe not there necessarily like, I have an M2 MacBook Air and upgraded from an M1, but I did that because I because of the new design of it. <laughs> and then I handed down the M1. Yeah. Um, it wasn't because of the chip. It was because of the design. And that's that's what I'm um, thinking. Like, for this, it's like the chip. If you are somebody like David Smith, right, um, or Marco, uh, if you've got especially like an M1 and you're one of those Macs, people you just you got the max chip you pay the money you want the best this difference is probably enough to make you jump and you know if you're that person for everybody else it's not i think for everybody else it's more this is why apple keeps talking about intel is they know how many people are still using intel max and it's a lot and they're trying to get them over and this is a great opportunity for for them to bring people over
0: yeah i have an m1 max macbook pro like that's what I'm All talking right. to you now from it's like my All recording right. machine my editing machine production machine as they call it in the yep. biz mm-hmm. um and i was wondering what i would do I, I thought i would go to a mac studio and i was planning on doing it and now i'm going to wait for the ah. m3 max mac studio mm-hmm. cuz that is going to be great for me like that's Re- what yeah, i want I think so. um and now I think that so. now i've made my mind up like when that comes that's what i will buy and i'm gonna wait now until that because i was planning on getting an. uh i just hadn't done it yet but i was planning on getting an m2 max max studio but now i'm like no no no
1: no for those who are, are are uh unclear on the 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 spread of processors in apple's product line the macbook pro well, now it's M3, M3 Pro, and M3 Max. But I would say kind of the default is M3 Pro. It's the mm-hmm. Pro chip is the default. And then you can spend a lot of money for Max. Max Studio, the default is Max. And then you can spend a lot of money for Ultra. So the base model Studio presumably will be with this same chip, that Max chip, M3 mm-hmm. Max chip. And that'll be spectacular. Because they you don't need the size of the Studio for the for the, the, the slower chips. So that's what the Mac mini is for. I mean, they really have just differentiated it. Mac mini is M and M pro and Mac studio is M max and M ultra. So, so yeah, I would, I would hang on if I were you and, and wait for that M three max Mac mini, cause it'll, it'll be coming next year and that'll be impressive.
0: What are your f- thoughts on the, um, the, the finish, the space black finish that you got?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Space Black is, it's what I said last time. It is fingerprint resistant, but not fingerprint proof. You can leave fingerprints if you want to. I Somebody was like, maybe you should wipe your hands before you use it, you filthy animals. And I was mm. like, guys, do you not know that your skin exudes oil? You can have the cleanest hands in the world. You will still I put oil. I will also oil- say,
0: if, if I'm just going to put this out there, right? Yeah. If you are the kind of person that wipes their hands before their lap use their laptop for this reason, I don't know
1: what to tell you. Like, I w- I was thinking of like what an insight that is. If only all the great murderers and burglars of history had wiped the grease off their hands before they committed crimes, they wouldn't have left fingerprints behind. This is what we've learned. That's not how it works. Anyway, it is better. They did a good job. They they wipe off better too, right? Because it's this the in the anodization seal they have put a different chemical process that they say repels liquids so sure but you know uh, can you get smears on it and with your fingerprints yeah you can they are harder to see and they're easier to wipe off and it's hooray like but again i'm just trying to temper people's responses here it's not fingerprint proof it's just better and then in terms of the color i put a bunch of pictures in my review you can see them uh it is absolutely the darkest a uh, pro laptop Apple has made ever, I think, um absolutely. And in some light, it, it it does look black. In contrast to other laptops, it's clearly very dark. Although I would argue that the Midnight MacBook Air looks darker to me, mm-hmm. um, certainly in the vicinity. But it has the dark blue sheen, which this one doesn't have. Although it's got kind of a goldy metallic sheen of its own, it's not. It's not pure black. It is a dark gray. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, would say the most important thing is first off, don't get your hopes up that it's super dark gray because, or or super black, because it's not, it's dark gray. And two, if, if you're asking, like, if my laptop is hanging around somewhere in an office somewhere and you're like, where's my laptop, I have the black one, you will probably be able to spot it, right? It is a lot darker than space gray. And I have, I have the pictures to prove it, but I also have a picture where I put my midnight MacBook Air, this, the space black MacBook pro. And at like a Samsung SSD that's actually black anodized aluminum all next to each other. And uh, yeah, one of these objects is black and it's not the space black MacBook. It just isn't. So, you know, it's dark gray and that's fine. That's fine. It, is, it is the darkest one they've made in a pro laptop. It absolutely is. It's what space gray. In fact, I will say this, Mike, it's what space gray auto have been all along. Because this is the real space gray. Mm-hmm. but they already had a space gray, like dozens of them. And so they've differentiated by calling it space black, but it's just a nice dark gray. But if you're, if you're one of those people who was like, I want the darkest MacBook pro on the, on the market. uh, Yeah. Get it. Go get
0: it. This will do that. If that's what you're looking for, if that's the deciding factor for you, this is the one that will get you that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you want the darkest MacBook on the market, um, I suggest midnight MacBook air, but Hey, you do you. There was
0: one thing I wanted to touch on before we move on to the iMac. Uh, You say in your review, Apple's Mac laptop line, which makes up the vast bulk of new Mac sales, offers what might be the best array of options in the history of the Mac. Now, I'm assuming you're adjusting for time and space in this argument, right? Because like... These things are always better if they've been going on. Yeah, you know, they there is always better now than the previous ones because of the way that time works and performance. Right, like if you put the iBook and the PowerBook next to these things, it's like they're being destroyed. But you can look at them for like where they are in in their place at that time. Is that what you're talking about?
1: What I'm saying here, and you know, people can argue with me if you want, because whenever you're talking about in the history, but like. There are three consumer laptops if you count the M1 MacBook Air. You've got the, the excellent M2 MacBook Air in both uh, 13 and a 15. And you've got a pro MacBook Pro with a great screen that now spans three different processor levels and will take you from 15,99 all the way up to you know th- three, four, five grand. Um, so you've got a very clear single model MacBook Pro that spans a huge gamut. And then you, if you just take the M2 Airs, you've got two options for that excellent computer down at the lower price point. And then you've got that M1 Air, which is a fantastic computer even now that's even lower than that. I feel like that is, that is a spread of options and clarity that is rare, if not non-existent, when you think about apple laptops. That's my that's my argument, right? Cuz in the past, you know, you could you have your Powerbook, once, you know, 160, 180, 140 or or you've got an iBook and uh and um and a Powerbook or you've got the polycarbonate MacBook with some variations and pay more for black and then you've got a MacBook Pro up here that comes in some different sizes and shapes and all that. And there may be a sweet spot in there in 2010 or something like that. But like it feels to me like bottom line here we can debate the history but it's like i feel like the laptop story is clear and it's been a while since the laptop story has been this clear and that there have been this many good options all the way from the bottom of the product line up to the top
0: pretty cool time
1: yeah it's good it's good it's good and and um i can't wait for the m3 macbook airs because i love the macbook air too but the mac these macbook pros it's a good design these chips are continue to improve the max is gonna blow people away at the high end the who who need that um and we're all still celebrating the 13 inch going away too so this oh, yeah. is, even though even though just as i ironically just as i said don't buy that 13 inch macbook pro I would caution people against buying the the m3 macbook pro um just because again <laughs> unless unless you have to scratch to get to 1599 and even there i would say maybe you should just get the macbook air you get the better screen it's true but like you can save money and get the 13 or the 15 macbook air and if you're going to go up to the macbook pro really try to get to the m3 pro because it's just a much better computer with much more base ram which makes it a, a you know a less of a stretch to get there if you care about something like ram or storage
0: This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. With Squarespace, you can stand out from the crowd with a beautiful website. You can engage directly with your audience and sell your products, services, and the content that you create. Squarespace has got everything you need all in one place. I want to touch on each of those things in a little bit more detail. So, To get started with Squarespace, you choose from one of their beautiful website templates. They are best-in-class, professionally designed, and customizable. You can choose every single design detail and move them around and make it your own with their reimagined drag-and-drop technology for both desktop or mobile. It's called Fluid Engine. This is their next-generation website design system to allow you to unlock your creativity more easily than ever before. You're able to stretch your imagination online with Fluid Engine. It's built in and ready to go on any new Squarespace site. One of the ways that you can engage directly with your audience is with Squarespace email campaigns that allow you to stand out in any inbox. You can encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers. You just start with an email template, customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo, and you have built-in analytics to measure the impact of every send. And to sell anything, products and services, you can do this with Squarespace online store functionality. Whether you sell physical or digital goods, Squarespace has all of the tools that you need to start selling online. They make this incredibly easy to manage and they even have analytics there so you can see how your products are doing, which sales channels are most effective for you and more. I've been using Squarespace for 15 years for various projects. When I want to put something online, they are the first place that I go because they make it so simple and they have all of the functionality that I want and that you're going to need. Go and check it out for yourself today by going to squarespace.com/upgrade. You can sign up for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the code upgrade to save ten percent of your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com/upgrade and the code upgrade when you decide to sign up to get ten percent off your first purchase and show your support for the show. A thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. We now turn our attention to the M3 iMac. That's right. There is a piece of information that we will omit until the end of this conversation because I think it's a okay. whole separate conversation. Let's just talk about the 24-inch
1: M3 iMac. Yes.
0: Still a great-looking computer, right?
1: You know that M1 iMac that you have? Mm-hmm. It's it's like that, except with an M3.
0: <laughs> then it looks great it's and I'm sure is nice and the fast. It looks
1: great. Y- exactly right? M3 is faster than M1. The advantage of not making an M2 iMac is you can, you can say, well, it's way faster than the previous iMac. Mm -hmm. for sure. Although again, I don't think people with an M1 iMac need to update. I think it's more for people who have an Intel iMac who want a new iMac. Uh, And the iMac, you know, the iMac used to be the center of the Mac universe and it's not anymore. It's a niche player. It's a, we live in a a time of laptops and other mobile devices and having an iMac that's a big all-in-one that you set somewhere is a lot less popular than it used to be. But I still get the sense that it, it it makes a huge amount of money for Apple even though it's a fraction of a fraction of Apple's overall business it's still a big seller and they need to keep it up to date and it's great i mean every time i i try one i think oh i i w- where in my life could i fit this and i can't come up with an answer like even when i was doing my studio b project getting a second a second workspace which is where i wrote most of my reviews actually um uh, on the iMac <laughs> uh I, I thought I could get an iMac and put it here, but then I thought, yeah, but I've already got a Mac studio and a MacBook air. Like I don't want a third computer. Right. I don't. Um, and, but you know, every time I use it, I, I kind of think like, how could I find a way? Is there a way? Surely there's a way that I could have one of these in my life because I love the colors and I, you know, I love all the things about it, but it's not. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it doesn't fit, but if it fits for you, I mean, that it's a great computer and now yeah, it's faster. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the bottom line.
0: It's a great computer. It's a shame they didn't do anything with the stand. I think that is the biggest miss for me, that they didn't allow for more flexibility with the stand and also didn't change the fixed stand.
1: Exactly. Since the iMac came out, they did the studio display, which had, in addition to the Visa and the fixed stand that just tilts, they had the, the more expensive uh, tilt and height adjustable studio display. And I'm so disappointed that they didn't um put that option on the iMac and maybe they just didn't want to anodize those displays and would they or those stands and would they sell or not or it it adds too much to the price and no, they figured nobody would buy them but maybe like,
0: this would be considered heresy inside of Apple's industrial design lab but I would have just liked it if they could have made it possible for me to put an iMac on the adjustable studio display stand I know it's going to be mixed colors right I'm going to have like yellow on silver but I, I wished I could just do that.
1: It was like only available in silver. So you have to buy a silver. Yeah. Most of my complaints. It's funny. Most of my complaints about the iMac this time are actually just my complaints about the iMac last time. And yeah. if So if I have one overall M3 iMac complaint is that you went two chip generations and you changed nothing. Like they literally, they changed nothing on the outside. They don't want to change it. They already did the work. Why would we alter it? And so you see it in the stand, which like, there, you know, there should be. Uh, uh, an adjustable stand. If not the default, just let people buy a nice Apple adjustable stand for this thing. Because I think the the stand is too low. I think I think most people are going to need to put it on a box or a riser mm-hmm. or something. And it, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a mistake. And it, so that that really bugs me. Um, and the webcam bugs me because it's the yes, it's a 1080 webcam and there's image signal processing in the M3 chip and it looks great and all that. That's true. But like, I really think the iMac is a perfect place for something like center stage. Now, my guess is that they were going to put the studio display camera in it and they got so much criticism for it. They just decided not to bother. Um, (laughs) But- I want them to take another shot at it because Center Stage is great. Center Stage is really appropriate for an iMac. You just need to have a better camera in there. And they decided that that was too expensive, I guess. And so they're just going to keep the 1080 webcam. But for a brand new model to still not have Center Stage in it, it's like, come on. Like, it's the perfect place for Center Stage. What are you doing here? But they don't. And And then I decided to finally have my moment about target display mode. Yes. Which is... Apple hasn't done target display mode in a long time. This is the mode where you can basically take an iMac and say, I'm now an external display and you plug something else into it. And you don't boot into macOS and run fancy software that is just you boot into target display mode and it becomes a display. And with retina displays, they took that out because the technology at the time certainly didn't exist to drive a retina display via a Thunderbolt cable. So they they punted on it. But I, I I'm at the point now where I kind of, come back around to the fact that it's a feature that should exist. And here's my approach to it, which is I don't think all in ones are a good, a good buy in general because screens last way longer than computers do in terms of being current. You can use a very, very old screen and still, you know, yeah, they're newer, fancier screens, but like old screens are fine. They last a long time. I am using the same panel with my studio display that was in the second 5K iMac. So that was a long time ago now. So, okay, but it's an iMac and therefore that the computer is gonna age faster than the display is. There's gonna come a time where you're gonna get rid of it instead of putting it into use as another display. And I think that that's not great. And I think that it's, and this is, follow me here, counter to Apple's stated beliefs against waste and for environmental impact being reduced for their products. Mm. I think target display mode is a green tech feature and a reduce of waste feature. And I think they need to make an effort to bring it back. Because I'll tell you, It would be a lot easier for me to buy an all-in-one down the road if I knew that when I was done with it, I could use it as a display. And I say that as somebody who just bought an Apple Studio display, even though I have a perfectly good 27-inch 5K iMac Pro display, and I don't want to use that computer anymore, but the display is still great. And there's no target display mode, so I can't. So I think that that's another disappointment I have about all-in-ones in in general, which is this iMac in particular. I think that Apple... I don't like how disposable they are in the sense that the displays are great and the computers will age faster than the displays. And this has been true of all-in-ones for a long time, but like, I feel like this is a, an opportunity. Apple should step up here and, and create a mode that allows it to be used as a display.
0: How is this different to a laptop, though? Like,
1: a laptop
0: is all fixed in one package.
1: I'd say it's the necessity of it because you can just buy an external display and a computer. Right. But you can't do that with a laptop, right? right. The lab, the display has to come along with because it's a mobile device. But this yeah, is not choice. a mobile device. Yeah. It is the same design as an external display, but it also has a computer inside. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but I want to use it now as an external display. It happens all the time. It's how people save money. It's how, it, it could sell, you know, sell Mac minis to people who have iMacs and, and it would be less wasteful because you end up having these screens that they get handed down maybe for a little while. But in the end, the screen is great and the computer's not and that's the end of it. And I just think I don't know how hard it would be to do this. Perhaps it is so hard to do that it's just not worth it, but my feeling is that it's probably more that it's just never been a priority and it's feel it just feels a little wasteful to me on on an all-in-one desktop. You're right, laptops face this issue too. And, and you know, maybe they should make that for laptops too, but the problem is a laptop the screen is attached to a whole laptop. Uh it it ha- you can't buy a separate laptop screen and laptop base and <laughs> walk off with them like you can with this so it's a different category as a mobile device versus this thing just a little thing it's not like i mean i love the iMac i think it's great but this is this is part of my what gives me pause about it and one of the reasons why i probably will never go back to buying an iMac even though i love my time with the iMac because apple makes a very nice external display and then i can swap out the computers every few years
0: someone wrote in uh, i don't have the name right now An asked stiff like the high performance screen sharing mode could be used in place of something like target display mode.
1: It, it, well, it requires not, I, I think not, because okay. it's about remote control in that scenario. Right. And it requires uh, you're, you're controlling the other computer, mm-hmm. not your computer. Right. So okay. it doesn't go that way. Doesn't I do. Yes. I, I do way. wonder if the, if they could build a mode like that. The problem with that is that you're still running. It has only on Apple Silicon and you're still running in booted into Mac OS when you do that. Um, but sure. That's kind of technology might be the way to do it. Although the, the best way to do it is to plug a Thunderbolt cable into that Mac and have it be a monitor. That's the best way to do it. And a webcam potentially too. Uh, I wanted
0: to just read something f- Specs-wise, I just because I just think it's funny for the M3 part. So uh, in multi-core performance, the iMac was 37% faster than an M1 system. It was also 18% faster than an M2 MacBook Air in the same tests. In single-core tests, the M3 was about 18% faster than the M2 and 32% faster than the M1, so that's all great. The 10-core GPU iMac was only about 4% faster than a 10-core GPU M2 MacBook Air on a Geekbench 6.1 Metal test, but an eye-watering 234% faster than an 8-core GPU M2 MacBook Air on the new Cinebench 2024 GPU test. What is going on with that statistic?
1: Cinebench test. Uh, my guess is uses uh, ray tracing and, oh. um, and mesh shading. Ah, <laughs> yeah, okay. And possibly even fills the GPU cores where they're reclaiming memory. But my guess is that it's a ray tracing and mesh shading thing happening with the Cinebench.
0: That particular test is is tailored very nicely to this to this new yeah, GPU the new, architecture.
1: And I've used Cinebench for a long time, but there's a new version of Cinebench, and it is, uh, yes, I think it is perfectly designed for these systems um it's not right and so i also ran the geekbench metal test which is a different kind of test but cinebench is a rendering test Mm -hmm. and i am it is rendering a scene as many times as it can in 10 minutes essentially and uh yeah it clearly is using like ray tracing and metal shade or uh, mesh shading and that's why right uh and 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 so will most cases be 234 percent faster no but sometimes sometimes well, it's also showing areas. gaming,
0: too. Yeah. Like, it's showing gaming. Yes. Uh, I read in the Ars Technica review, they were talking about how they played the game that Apple showed off, Baldur's Gate, and they said, like, you know, is it incredible? No, but it plays better than another Macs I've pl- tried to play this kind of game on, and that is a good thing, right? Like, it is making it a comparable gaming machine more than before, and that, that, I'm very happy to hear that. I, that's really great.
1: Yeah. I think Apple's goal with Apple Silicon is to have all of their M, you know, all their Apple Silicon base chips be um, good enough that you can play games on them. Yep. They're not going to be the best gaming whatever, but remember, Macs, low end Macs used to not be good enough to play games on, and they are now. To get and this games one is on the a systems, lot
0: the systems have to first be capable of playing games.
1: <laughs> right. It's true. You can't because people are like, oh,
0: there's no games on a Mac. We well, can't. Pl- you couldn't play them. Right. So like it wasn't or you could
1: only play them on the five thousand dollar professional Mac yes. that nobody buys, exactly. which is like, well, why would you do that when you could get a, yeah. a PC that plays this game for way cheaper? And yeah. like, you John Syracuse, the answer presents itself. But otherwise, uh, you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, we're at that point now. And now with this, yeah, these these are it's funny too, because this is a feature that is a 3D artist and rendering feature, but come on, it's it's a game feature. Like yeah. they built better game rendering into uh their chips now into even the base model and and that's where they're going to get a lot of benefit from you know in the games that use ray tracing and, and mesh shading
0: all right let's move on to the part that i'm sure apple would really prefer not to be the story of the iMac but i think in our circles it is going to be the story of the iMac today um, I'm going to read from your wonderful review again. Quote: Apple told me that it has no plans to develop a 27-inch iMac again. If the company changes its mind one day and decides to make a bigger iMac, I'll cheer. But I don't think I'd go back to an iMac now that I'm able to work with Studio Display in Mac Studio. So the quote specifically is that there is not going to be a 27-inch iMac, right? Like that's yeah. what they told you. Apple
1: has Apple has no plans to develop a 27-inch iMac. Right. And it's it's funny because Mark German has talked about for a while that they, they have worked on and off on the idea of a larger iMac, but it would be like a 30 or a 32 inch iMac. It would be huge. Mm-hmm. And I and, and we scratch our heads a little bit for the reasons discussed earlier and say, well, why would you not just make that as a display? What's the market for a very large pro iMac versus a nice big display that you could attach whatever pro Uh, or, you know, whatever level of computer you would choose to to attach to it. And maybe they think there's a market there, and I'm sure we'll hear from people who are like, I would buy one. But like, I'm not sure it's necessary to have a computer like that. And if they also made that screen available as a screen, I think a lot of people wouldn't buy it. And it would be frustrating if they made this amazing new screen And the only way you could get it is an iMac. That's sort of how we got to to professional level iMacs in the past. But uh, so Gurman's got all those reports out there. They're not addressed by this statement. This statement is just about the 27-inch iMac. And I'll just say, it's unusual for Apple to make a statement like this. I know what's happening here. uh, It's a marketing statement. I would say it's completely self-serving because it's a marketing statement. That's what they're for. What it's trying to do is tell people, if you've got a 27-inch iMac, on Intel, and are waiting for the 27-inch version of the iMac on Apple Silicon to arrive. Stop. Stop waiting. And in fact, this is just more explicit to what they said last week in their presentation, which was, It's
0: the perfect size and resolution to replace both the 4K and 5K Intel-based models. Whichever model you're coming from, you'll appreciate the enormous amount of screen real estate on the new iMac display.
1: And Turner said said that in the video. That's what we were told in our in our briefings, the exact same wording. And it was very clear at that point that they were saying, this is the answer for all previous IMAX. That is what they said. So I thought it was already clear, <laughs> but apparently Apple feels like they need to make it extra clear.
0: I missed that completely, by the way, that John Turner said that. Like it went over my head. I don't know why, but maybe it was too late at night for me, you know? I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe so. But no, it's basically like this is, it's typical Apple PR. It's like, well, the products that we sell are the, are great choices. The products that we don't sell aren't. Like that is, that's like sales 101, right? And so that's what they're doing here is they're saying um, they, they are concerned that there are, is a group out there that is like, we are going to wait for the 27-inch iMac to come back. And with the M3 iMac, Apple has broken enough of, just enough of its rule About talking about what it's doing inside the black box to say no there's no 27 inch don't stop waiting but really what they're saying is stop waiting and just buy either the 24 inch iMac or a studio display and a computer but you know the solution is of course buy a new apple product because it's marketing that's what they're trying to do but but they clearly think that there is some sort of a uh, an issue out there where people are holding out for that 27 inch model and i think a lot of us were in that i don't feel like i'm there now i mean i bought a studio display i moved on but like when the m1 imac i read my old m1 imac review while i was writing the new one and and like i at the end i sort of assumed that there would be a bigger imac and there never was Mm -hmm. and i've come around to that now but like i think obviously apple is concerned that they're losing sales from a group that's holding on to the big imac hoping for uh, a new one so they say no 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 there isn't going to be a new one either choose the 27 inch studio display or 24 inch iMac i think for a lot of people the 24 inch screen is actually enough it's enough for me for almost everything i do video streaming video editing there are a few places where it will it would be yeah. really unfortunate but i could i could manage and and in those moments i would probably go up to you know show more on a display setting and shrink everything down but uh But if you, if it's not enough, you know, other larger screens are available and you can attach a laptop or a desktop to them and they work great. So that's what they're trying to do here is, is like, please leave Intel. Please buy a new something. Don't wait around for this computer that we don't intend to make again. Even if in 2025, like German's reports are like 25 maybe they might do a mega iMac and they might not. And I definitely have heard that like when they were planning the M1 iMac, there was talk about doing a larger iMac and they killed it. And Gorman's reported that too, that they they stopped. So if they're back talking about it, it sounds like it's talk and it may not go anywhere. So while Apple's being a little disingenuous here and saying no plans and 27 inch, right? They could totally have plans to develop a 30 inch iMac. It's not addressed in this statement, but you know, I think realistically, even if you decide you want to buy into all of those kind of like conspiracies and hope, no, no, no. Big iMac is really is going to happen. I mean, two or three years from now, maybe like the, the, I don't disagree with the point of Apple's statement here, which is look, if you're holding out hope that there's an iMac around the corner for you, there's not maybe someday I'll add, but not now. And if you're like, no, no I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this i7 iMac until there's a new one. I'm just gonna hold on to this one and I'm gonna not do Apple silicon because I just I, it's got to be an iMac. I would encourage those people to let go and either go with the 24inch iMac or a studio display with an external uh, you know Apple silicon Mac of some sort.
0: So I think from hearing this and thinking about it, the iMac Pro is dead. like the idea of the iMac Pro is dead, like bigger iMac, pro iMac. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of thinking about like, well, why did we want it? Because like, I was also thinking about this of like, when reading your review of like, is there even really a market for all-in-ones in general? And then like, out of that market, what is there left for a professional, powerful one? And it kind of started making me think about like, the iMac Pro, right? The, the 27-inch iMac Pro that we uh-huh. all had. And I was kind of thinking, like, why did we all buy that machine? Like, why did we buy it? Why did we love it? And it was because it was the only really powerful Mac that existed in a time of bad Macs. Like, it was a bad time. And, like, here was this machine. And with a big Retina display. Yeah. It it was like, yeah, here's this machine at a time when Apple doesn't make external displays and there were no good Mm -hmm. displays. And Mm -hmm. Apple... Only made one good professional machine and it was this one because the Mac yeah. Pro was really bad. And so yeah. we all bought it because it was like this is like the the oasis in the desert at the time For when sure. we needed it. So we have such fond
1: memories of this computer. Five thousand dollars. It's the most I've ever spent on a computer. Yeah. But it was what five we needed thousand at damn the time dollars to be happy it, <laughs> with the Mac And it was great. It, it was f- fantastic. It was le- you know legitimately great funny story um they wouldn't give review units of that out to almost anybody because it was a pro system and MacWorld ended up paying me for my review of it because i had bought one for myself and uh one way that you get your money back for buying an expensive computer is having somebody pay you to review it that was hilarious Mm -hmm. and then it's the it's like literally the only time that one of my articles has been tweeted by phil schiller and I'm like, you guys didn't even want to give MacWorld one. I bought it myself, and now you're tweeting my review mm-hmm. of it. It was just a ma- an amazing moment. Well, I
0: mean, because they made the money and got the purse. It's like that's like, the yeah, best I possible guess, option. I guess so.
1: Money, money, money. Anyway, yes, Yeah, it's, your, yeah it, it's the that display was great. And, and that's why I had a 5K, I got the first IK 5K iMac when I went out on my own. That was my, mm-hmm. I had a, like a Dell display and a MacBook Air and then that 5K iMac got announced. I was like, that is it. I'm going to buy it. Because again, getting a display like that was so rare and it came with a computer and you're like, great. Well, it's a, it's a perfectly reasonable, powerful computer. And then that iMac Pro came out. It's like, oh, that display, the Xeon processor, it's going to let me do all my isotope audio stuff and all that. It was great in a moment that um Stephen Hackett wrote a great piece called The Great IMAC realignment that was about this. And um he called back to that moment. That was like the parallel universe, right? Where they were they were taking the Mac in a different direction. And then they did the um, you know, they did the thing where they brought in the press and they they said, Oh no, 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 we're recommitting to pro users and there'll be a new Mac. Pro, but the story was that the iMac Pro was originally, that was the future of the Mac Pro. So the Mac Pro was dead. That was it. Like, so we, the iMac became this vessel, I'm using the vessel into which a lot these days, but let's just go with it. The Mac Pro became the the vessel that Apple was going to use for high-end systems because they had their whole high-end system, uh, non-laptop high-end system uh, product line was a disaster. And so people just flocked to the iMac. And, and what we're seeing is Apple unwinding that and saying, no, 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 you can get that display externally. Plus we make this other super expensive, fantastic display. And we've got all these different modular desktops more than ever before that take you from the low end to the high end. And then the Mac Pro is on top of that. We have so many different choices for you. You don't have to have an iMac again. The iMac, this new, and they designed the new iMac with that in mind, right? They designed it knowing that they didn't need the iMac to hold up the Pros anymore. And so it's this super thin, light, cute, adorable, Uh, not very well. I mean, it's got cooling in it, but like, I'm not sure it would take a pro processor if you put one in it maybe, but like, it's not for that. And, and and it's got the colors and it's like, it's fine.
0: And the iMac Pro, again, we're a different, we talk about this on this show all the time, it was a different timeline. Like the iMac Pro existed in a parallel universe that we ended up moving away from, right? Like it was going to exist probably as the replacement for the Mac Pro and it was going to be the Mac Pro. But then they had to change course because they realized they were going in a different direction time we were still going to get the iMac Pro but it was a one and done because then by the time that Apple had made the decision they were going to make they decided to go to Apple Silicon and then everything changed and the iMac Pro was still in development and they needed something to try and make people feel better in the meantime until they could develop the like the forget that the trash can ever happened Mac Pro right and like and now we're back on to course again but yeah. then the iMac Pro just sits out there as like this vestige from a different time and so yeah. it was only ever done once and it will never happen again, I think.
1: Right. So I'd say pro-level pro users fled to the iMac in, in part because Apple's, uh, the Mac was in a sad place right then. Yep. And Apple's choices had led them to that place. And I would argue it was a rational thing for users to do to have a pro iMac and to go there or a high-end iMac. Even if you didn't buy the iMac Pro, like at the end there, you could get a really stacked I remember that the last generation IMac remember we did we had Colleen on the on the podcast. I think mm-hmm. that was the last generation Intel iMac, and like it had an i7 it, it the, the high end of that was faster than my iMac pro was, as I recall, for most tasks. Like they were really powerful, and I think it was a rational thing for pro level uh, users to use an iMac in that era. But with Apple Silicon, another one of the decisions Apple made, in addition to things like that the M1, 2, and 3 don't support two external monitors, one of their decisions was that's not what the iMac's going to be anymore. We're going to do a studio display and we got got our pro display and we've got a Mac Studio in addition to the Mac Mini, plus all our laptops can drive those 5K displays and we don't need to make a pro iMac anymore. It was a distortion in the iMac for... A, a bad time that we don't want to talk about mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I think that's the truth of it. Um, now if they, that's why I'm so baffled about, about the rumors that they keep tinkering with the idea of an iMac that is, uh, that is huge. Um, and the only, I'm going to throw out a wacky idea here. This is not quite a shower thought, but it's close to that. Uh, which is I do having used that Samsung monitor, that's basically a TV. I wonder if maybe, the discussion about like a big iMac is something like, what if we did a big monitor that had embedded an embedded computer in it? Cause once you have a studio display with an A chip in it, right? Like, could we just do a big monitor and put an M three in it and, or an M four in it and you could run Mac OS on it, or you could boot TV OS on it, or you could just use it as a TV. And you know, is there a, like a, a weird kind of multifunction, big display that you could do Uh, probably not. That sounds like a toaster fridge to me, but, um, but anyway, I, I start thinking about weird stuff like that because I don't think it makes sense based on where Apple is right now to do something like a really big pro iMac. I, I feel like their direction is keep iterating Mac studio, keep iterating Mac mini and keep building great laptops that you can hook up to these big displays. And make continue to make a line of really nice displays because clearly nobody else is going to. Uh, so Apple Mac users yeah. are going to have to rely on Apple to make those external displays good.
0: I expect that there is a, v- a big display come in and it's really powerful and it has some kind of chip inside of it, right? Because it needs to. Yeah. and it's not an iMac. It's just the next studio display.
1: My yeah, my other experience of using the uh, the Samsung is. Although I didn't like it because, like, you you turn off your computer and a blue screen comes up and says, I'm going to sleep in 30 seconds. It's very bad. Apple would never do that, I think. But, um, but yeah, I'll tell you, if you've got an A-series chip in your studio display, you know what would be really nice in your, or your big, beautiful display is tvOS at the very least, mm-hmm. right? Like, can I repurpose that not as a Mac necessarily, but as an Apple TV when I'm not using it in a, in a small environment somewhere? That, why not? Like, I actually am a little offended that the, the, that my studio display can't do that given the chip that's inside of it, but it, it can't. It's, you know, it's running iOS, but it can't do that. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I don't want them to make a bigger Mac, bigger iMac. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. I realize if you're somebody who just loves using an all in one, but you know, I, I, my, my computing life has not changed at all. I now have a studio display on a monitor arm instead of an iMac and I have the Mac studio under my desk and it's the same experience, right? I like, I, it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's two pieces instead of one, but it's basically the exact same experience as before. Um, and it's fine.
0: Yeah the the uh, $5000 iMac Pro uh exists today it is a Mac Studio and a Studio Display you just add them together and you've yeah. gotten to where you need to go you know
1: and for our friends we have some friends uh like I think Marco and Steven both do this like the the laptop you attach to a studio display life it, it I used a MacBook Air for years in the Intel era where I had an external display at work and I would bring that MacBook Air back and forth in my backpack every day and I would plug it into the external display and keyboard and mouse at my desk at Macworld. And let me tell you, it was... buggy <laughs> like sometimes it wouldn't go to sleep when i disconnected it and it would mm-hmm. be hot in my backpack when i got home sometimes the the video connection wouldn't work right like there was lots of things about it today it's not like that at Mm-mm. all my my studio b you know other room where i have a studio display i just used my macbook air back there and i could not like it is i mean i'll s- say
0: specifically great that is an apple silicon and studio display like if you use non-apple silicon and a display it doesn't work so well uh, if right. you use uh, Apple Silicon and an LG display, it doesn't work so well. Specifically, those two products together, it's like perfect, right? The studio display and an Apple Silicon Mac.
1: Yeah, that's, that's that's the magic of it. Yeah. So, so yes, I agree. The Apple solution to the 5K iMac being gone is the studio display and literally pick your product. From the from the M2 Air all the way up, that is better than
0: an iMac Pro. That is a better product.
1: And in three years, when you're ready to upgrade your computer, you won't have to get rid of your display. Keep the display, and you'll be Mm, you'll be good to go. Uh,
0: Just before we move on, you mentioned the episode of Colleen, and I want to put it in the show notes. And I looked at the description, and this might be the weirdest episode of upgrade. All right, listen Ah, to this description. The new iMacs are here and Jason has an exclusive interview with the iMac product manager. We also discuss the new iPads and then Jason and Mike draft what they think will happen at next week's Apple event. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that weird? There were new products. We had an interview about with someone about one of them. There was a whole other set of new products. Then there was an event the next week. It was the services event. It was the services event. Good memory.
1: It was that, well, no, honestly, I just looked through the, the draft scorecard. It card. sounds
0: like uh, uh, a description written by ChatGPT because it's like we're just gonna pick a bunch of things yeah. that upgrade that, that has to Upgrade. Yeah. Yes. Like also like episode two hundred and thirty seven, new max iPads, and the to twenty nineteen March event draft. That is so weird, right?
1: It it is. Well that was that's like our clip show. Episode, yes, it's like all the, the things best we off. do in one. Yeah, yeah, that was and that was my interview with Colleen. So I assume that was the one where I actually I flew to New York and interviewed in her in New York. Yeah, at Apple's yep. uh, place, and their, then their, their, I their, was yeah.
0: recording from a hotel room floor in Romania.
1: In Romania, and yes. then so I did the interview with Colleen, and then I believe went back to my hotel around the corner in New yep. York, and then we did the rest of Upgrade. And the files I sent the files to you overnight, and it was a whole the whole thing, cr- just thing, yeah, whole That was, thing. That was good times, that good times. March twenty nineteen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, wild days. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens, the world's number one pizza oven company, letting you make restaurant quality pizza in your own backyard. Uni makes surprisingly small ovens that so powered by your choice either wood charcoal gas and now electric thanks to the introduction of the uni vault this oven works indoors and outdoors with a bunch of super smart technology to give you restaurant quality pizza in an electric oven it's so good it was just named one of oprah's favorite things of 2023 <laughs> <laughs> sure. which is a wild thing i know christian one of the founders at uni and i text him and i was like this is an incredible thing, and he's like, "Yes, it yeah. is to be on one of those yeah. Oprah lists. That's yeah, no joke. All of Unni, yeah. you
1: you get a pizza of it. You, you yes. get Noonie. You I did get send you him, all get a I did
0: Noonie. send him one of those gifts, one of the Oprah ah, uh, yeah, sure.
1: Bees, you got to, right? No. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it wasn't sure. the bees one. It wasn't no, okay. the bees one because you don't want bees <laughs> no. in the pizza. <laughs> no, online. you don't want bees. No, you. Don't. All of Unis pizza ovens are incredibly easy to use and super portable. They'll fit into any outside space or an indoor space if you get the vault. They can reach temperatures of up to 900 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 500 degrees Celsius, mm. enabling you to cook restaurant-quality pizza in as little as 60 seconds. The high temperature is what you need to separate these pizzas from those that you'll make in a conventional home oven. Another of Wood Unis most- yes, pizza, yes, oven good pizza style.
1: Wood mm-hmm. pizza oven style, super hot. Mm-hmm. Can't get it in your, trust me, as a maker can't of pizza, you can't get those temps in your oven at home. You you gotta you gotta have you gotta have the uni to get to mm-hmm. the high temps that give you all those little things that you get from the you know the little blackened edges and the, yeah you oh, get it's the
0: little just, blackened yeah. edges and it's the speed right and so you just right. get like charring and stuff like that
1: and right but you don't need wood you could do it with with propane which is like what I you do. have like, that's, in the uni mm, code of sixteen exactly, gas powered oven that can cook that's up right. to sixteen inch pieces. Jesus. Same canister that I use for my patio heater and for my barbecue. So like it just fits into my life perfectly.
0: Which is perfect. Mm -hmm. Uni pizza ovens start at just $299. They have free shipping in the US, the UK and EU. Uni also have all of the accessories that you might want for your pizza oven experience. They also have, you can buy dough from them. Uh, but they also have an app as well to help you perfect your dough recipe and give you loads of pizza making tips. Listeners of this show can get 10% off their purchase of an Uni pizza oven. Just go to uni.com, that's O-O-N-I.com, and use the code UPGRADE2023 at checkout. When you're there, you'll also find a great range of accessories. As I mentioned, this is from peels to cutters to oven tables to thermometers and everything. Uh, If you want to get one of these, go get them now. This is a good time of year to buy, but it's also the time of year when everybody's buying uh, Uni Pizza Ovens are the perfect tool for making pizza at home. So go to uni.com, O O N I.com, and use the code upgrade2023 for 10% off. Our thanks to Uni Pizza Ovens for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's finish out with some Ask Upgrade questions for today's show. First question comes from Mike, who asks, as a 13-inch M1 MacBook Pro user, how long do you think Apple will support the Touch Bar? I use Kino every day in my classroom, and I actually love the Touch Bar to jump around in a slideshow without scrolling through the slides on screen. That's actually a very good use of the Touch Bar. <laughs> it's like, oh, that, that technology sounds
1: great. So I think, okay. Uh, Let me start by just saying something that is, I'm going to be mean. I'm going to speak ill of the dead. I'm going to be mean to the touch bar. Mike, you shouldn't have any trouble because Apple has done no, made no effort to update the touch bar in any way since they launched it, essentially. So uh, (laughs) essentially, I think it will just continue being what it was forever and never change. And so I think it will be supported until the last touch bar uh, laptop dies. But yeah. it will never be changed. It will never be updated in any way. It'll just keep being what it was from the beginning.
0: And I guess it's one of these things where you have to hope that no bugs get introduced, right? Because like, if they do,
1: yeah, no, I think they'll lot. support it. I, I think this. I think. I think as long as they're supporting the M2 processor, they will support the Touch Bar because it's in that MacBook Pro. So I, th- I think it'll just be out there. It just won't do anything new. But I, I think it'll let you jump around in your slideshow without any trouble. And Zach in the in the chat room points out that, yeah, Sidecar still says like, oh, you want to see the touch bar? So the touch bar is in Sidecar. Whenever you use that, you can just, you know, make your iPad a, a, a touch bar if you need to. Yay. Touch bar in the Sidecar, touch car in the mm, Sidebar. Touch car in the Sidebar. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I
0: like the way it sounds. Uh, Brent wants to know, why do you think Apple does not offer cloud backup for Macs? Whoa. Because um, it's hard. Something to add into services, right? You want to do another service? I, I agree. I agree.
1: I think the answer is because it's hard. And takes a lot of space, I guess, right? Like Well, but they could charge for it. This is the thing. I'm sure they've done the math, I, and maybe they've realized that what they would need to charge for Mac cloud backup is more than the market is willing to pay or that their margins could accept. But I agree, as somebody who uses online backup, wouldn't it be great? Now, they do de- desktop and document sync is a thing in in iCloud, and yep. that will get you all your documents folder and your desktop files and
0: photos, right there are little components that you can
1: have backed up. um, but what they have done and I think part of it is just the technical challenge of how do you do that? Um, you know, time machine is not really built to be, to work over a connection that slow, you know, a, an internet connection versus even on a network, it's kind of slow, even on a USB drive attached to your computer, it's kind of slow. And now imagine doing it over the network. So they would have to re-architect time machine. I wonder if they've talked about it or have even planned to do that down the road. Cause I agree. It would make a lot of sense and they would charge you extra. So it's more services revenue. They could probably theoretically mark it up but again there's a question of what the margin is and does it help their margins or not because what would that price be and do they think they could sell it may be that they pencil it out like i said and and we're like "Mm, it's not profitable enough for us to do this but i i agree i even wonder if they could just extend desktop and document icloud sync to be also your preferences or something so that there was like an enhanced migration from the cloud in case you didn't have a time machine backup where they could pull stuff off of the cloud that would make it a little bit better right like not a full like restorable time machine backup but like a a light version, a mini version, where you're still going to have to go get your apps and stuff, but they'll they'll do your preferences and things like that i I don't think it's not i I don't think it's impossible that they will eventually do this. Um, I think it's telling that they have still not done it because that suggests there is a roadblock there.
0: It's probably not a very attractive service on the potential list of things they could offer, right, because it's messy. Right. And, and, and
1: and it's messy. I would also say it's potentially messy in terms of, uh, although they love messy. He's great. Um, but, uh, the, (laughs) wait for it. Anyway, uh, (laughs) they, it it is, it is like, how do you, do you track this? Is all this data going into your iCloud? Um, storage allotment and if that's true like now they do have you can buy more storage but like because it's going to be a lot of storage for some people maybe too much and then are you going to do versioning and like There's a, there's a lot that goes into that. My guess is that they've thought about it. They've walked through all these things. They've looked at how much they would need to do to change like time machine, essentially to do something like this and how much they would have to do on the back end, and how long it would take for people to back up the first Mm. time. And could they, could they limit it to certain areas of the computer? So it wouldn't be a full backup, but it would get most everything, uh, optionally done. And then like how much storage is this going to take up and bandwidth on our, in our server firms and what's that going to cost us. And then looking at all of that, now let's put in our traditional, my guess is our traditional markup for services and it's going to cost what? Nobody's going to buy that. Forget it. That's my guess is they're going to, that they've, that they've looked all that, but I do think it's an opportunity. And in the meantime, you know, it's an opportunity for Backblaze and and companies like that. And I use Backblaze and it's great, but it's not the same as having it be like Apple holding your hand and saying, Hey, you got a new Mac. That's great. Mm -hmm. Would you like to back it up? Because they do that with our iPads and our iPhones, but not our Macs. So I think it's a great opportunity, but that's my guess, is that it doesn't pencil out technically and or financially.
0: Zach asks, how long do you think Apple will keep the MacBook Air on M2? I wonder if they're willing to keep it there for longer to differentiate it more from the Pro like how the base and pro iPhones are now distinguished by a chip generation?
1: It's a good question. I like the way you think. Um, I think Apple will keep the MacBook Air on M2 until they ship the M3 MacBook Air sometime next year. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to stay behind. It's the most uh, important laptop. I, th- I don't think they're going to keep it behind. I, I just don't.
0: And I guess the question is like, which is the most important iPhone? Like if we're overlaying those two things together, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think Apple's like, oh man, let's, 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 uh, artificially limit our most popular laptop So more people buy the weirdly limited low-end MacBook Pro. I don't think so. I I just don't. I think that, that the MacBook Air being M3, in fact, I think they're burned, like I said earlier on this show from releasing that 15-inch model late in the M2 cycle and that it didn't sell as well. I think you really want your popular laptop to be on the current generation as quickly as possible. So I I don't think it'll be very long at all. And then I suspect that update will be very similar to what we saw with the iMac and the MacBook Pro, which is that MacBook Air has already been redesigned. It's a relatively fresh design. It will be, I suspect, indistinguishable from the current models, except Mm. with an M3 processor. To overlap it, though, do you think
0: do we know? Do you reckon the iPhone Pro sells more than the iPhone? I think so. I reckon so too. Yeah. If you would like to send in a question of your own for us to answer on the show, just go to upgradefeedback.com. You can also send in your follow-up and your Snell Talk questions there. Don't forget to go to Upgradees.vote to put your nominations in for the 10th Annual Upgradies yeah. Awards. If you would like to read Jason's reviews that we mentioned today, there's lots more in them than we covered. Please go to sixcolors.com where you can do that. You can hear Jason's podcasts on theincomparable.com and here on RelayFM where you'll find me too. You can check out my work as well at cortexbrand.com. You can find us on Mastodon. Jason is at Jasonell on Zeppelin.Flights, and I am at imike, I M Y K E, on Mike.Social. You can find the show on Mastodon as well as upgrade at relayfm.social. You can watch video clips of the show there, but also on our dedicated video platforms like TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, where we are Upgrade Relay on all of those platforms. We're on threads as well. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Jason is at J-Snell. Thank you to our members who support us of Upgrade Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com. Thank you to our sponsors, Uni, Squarespace, and Wild Grain. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye,
1: everybody.